The Charles Adler Show starts now. Uh, known best as a face of the national and many other tremendous CBC programs over the years. She's a, a national icon and she's now the host of her own uh, podcast along with the great Maureen Holloway. Uh, it's called A Woman of Ill Repute. This is Wendy Mesley about to join us. Wendy, it's great to have you. This is the very first time we're having you on, on our podcast and I hope it's the first of, of several appearances. That would be great. It's uh, it's kind of weird to be in this position. I'm I'm normally the one asking the questions, but but here you are, and uh, I'm I'm known as the victim, I guess. All right. Well, <laughs> I I don't I tend not to treat anyone as a, a victim, but if if it makes you feel better, uh, you no no. I, I, listen, uh, I, I'm on, on on both sides of you know the the, the business. Uh, sometimes I'm asking questions, sometimes I'm answering. So I'm good with either. If you want to pause at some point and start asking me questions, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Oh, I may have a question or two for you. We did somebody and uh, he sort of was like, oh, you and Maureen, you're like a big deal. And so let me ask you questions. I'm like, wait a minute. This is our podcast. We get to ask you questions. So so you start. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, naturally, I have to ask about uh, the name of it. Uh, the podcast is called "A Woman of Ill Repute." Women, my, women, women of women, Ill Repute. Okay, I've got, I've got my my apologies. I've got a woman on my screen. Uh, women of Ill Repute. Pardon me for uh, exposing myself as a as a thoughtless bingo caller. I, you know, I'm reading, I'm re- I'm reading what's on the screen. So, women of ill repute is is what what the podcast is called, and the women are Wendy and Maureen. I get that there are many people who are in their twenties and thirties and forties who may not even be familiar with the ancient term, women of ill repute. If you can give us a little bit of, of history and a little bit of uh, the, the present and, and why you're calling it what you are. Well, we're obviously, we've never actually charged, so uh, we're not uh, uh, prostitutes who charge for services. Uh, so it wasn't really about that. So yeah, women of ill repute used to be what you would call uh, sex workers, um, but uh, that's not us. But we basically, we started off wanting to talk to people who uh, were other women, well, because we see ourselves as women of ill repute, which we think is a, a compliment. Uh, and I think nearly every woman that we've spoken to, and I'm sure there are lots that we haven't spoken to who would disagree, but uh, I think every every woman, if not most men, see themselves as uh, as someone of ill repute. And so by that, we mean it to be a compliment. We mean that me and Maureen are kind of women of ill repute and proud of it. And we started out talking to people who... Uh, were controversial. So, you know, whether it was Jen Ag, who is, wrote a book about being a bitch in the restaurant industry, uh, or uh, Marie Hennon, who fought for uh, Gian Gomeshi. She's a criminal defense lawyer, and she talked about the duties of being a criminal defense lawyer, but it was controversial. She was called a traitor to women by a lot of women uh, because of uh, what happened in the court case. And then gradually, we just decided that we really liked doing the podcast. And so uh, we've kept going, and Maureen and I are happy to be the women of ill repute and uh, there's been a few men you should come on too charles well, I, I, i'll be happy to i just i just need to know uh, whether or not i can answer the the skill testing questions if someone uh, like maureen holloway or wendy measley asks uh, charles why are you a man of ill repute i mean at the at the moment I'm, I'm 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 still in thoughtless bingo caller mode i don't know how to respond to that well I know that you called people at uh, cbc bingo callers at one point i think you said that we regurgitate well 
Uh, I actually would like to differ with that because I don't, I, anyway, maybe I'm leaping ahead into a discussion about uh, CBC or journalism or, or whatever. We're probably going to go there somewhere be, because we're both journalists. Uh, and you actually used to be on the CBC uh, column uh, with me, uh, a panel. Uh, on before I became a woman of ill repute, even though I've always been one. So yeah, so you charge, you just don't tell anyone. Is that okay? Is that... Well, I, I no, I was I was uh, <laughs> proud to be uh, proud to be on the panel, and I honestly uh, I don't keep track of uh, who's uh, getting charged and and who isn't. So I honestly don't remember. <laughs> uh-huh. I honestly don't remember whether I was uh, I was paid for that one. I've got other people, uh, fortunately, in my life taking taking care of all all of that. And as far as I can tell, uh, you know, my 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 credit cards still work and. Uh, no one's asking me to evict the the place, uh, so I, I guess everything is getting paid for. But as far as the uh, ill repute uh, business is concerned, so um, if I'm asked why are you on Wendy and Maureen's show, uh, why are you a man of ill repute, my answer is I used to be a panelist on Wendy's CBC show. <laughs> is that the answer? No, no. I'm trying to figure out whether you actually ever charged for for the act. Uh, the the act, but uh, but I think I was being facetious. No, I I think you are a man or a person of ill repute if you you know you've stirred the waters a little bit, which I think is most people, and you definitely have stirred a few waters. I've, I've stirred a few waters. So let's get into the conversation you clearly wanted to get into a few moments ago. Uh, I've called I've called the odd uh, CBC uh, uh, reader bingo callers. I've I've also said that we need bingo callers. We need exceptional people to to write the copy and exceptional people who can perform it, read it. Uh, you were one of them. There were many other jobs you did. I was never a bingo sure. caller. I, you were I never? Okay. Them. Well, all right. So, so help me with this. When you're anchoring, when you're anchoring the, uh, the newscast, the, the national, and you're reading the, the wonderful material that is in your prompter, um, what is it about that that uh, you object to when I say uh, bingo caller? Um, it makes me think of a conversation. I used to work, well, I, when I worked on the Hill, which was eons ago, but it feels like yesterday, uh, Parliament Hill in Ottawa. Um, and then I started, I used to work six, often seven days a week. And then I moved to Toronto and it was really easy. I only did six days a week. And then someone said, well, why don't you do the, the whatever show, uh, national show? And I said, I don't know. I'm already working like 60, 70 hours a week. And oh, they're just like, you just show up and you just uh, read the copy. And then you, and I'm like, you know me like that is never going to happen. So even when I did the national, when Peter Mansbridge did the national, uh, which was basically what I saw for 25 years before I started, well, some of those years I was anchoring as well on weekends. Um, you go in hours ahead of time, you see every single word. And if you don't like the words, you rewrite them. You write some of them yourselves. You see the stories yourselves. You know about all the stories. You, you anchor election night where you actually have to like know stuff. Guilty. Okay, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. So feel so we can bad. Move on. I feel so bad. You know, I've done uh, so, so many gigs and I, I've done some on, on, on private TV where uh, the, the stuff was written down, uh, put my prompter, and I, I felt like this was just a kind of a room service gig. And I thought of myself as a bringo caller. And maybe I was just projecting. I, I did not realize that um, you went through every single word and edited and, and rewrote and I did journalism. Yeah, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that happens everywhere. Like I do, and and I do. Like I obviously had problems with CPC, um, but 
I do think that CBC journalists are a little bit different. And it used to be that anchors were a little bit different. And I remember one time I was sitting at a, a journalist's dinner thing and the, the head of uh, uh, CBC uh, basically reached out to me and was from the private sector and was very much of the, well, who, yeah, I was giving the big speech about how, you know, journalists matter and we've all been in the field and we've all done this and we've all, we all really care about the story and we read and we know and, and, and she's just like, yeah, but you're just talent, like just show up just show up and read what's in the, uh, be a bingo caller. And I'm like, no, well, no. I've done, but, I've, but, I have done so many different kinds of journalism. And I guess, frankly, uh, you know, reading the prompter was something that just came naturally. I was able to do that when I was basically a child. So maybe, maybe I just don't take it uh, serious enough, or I don't take seriously enough the idea that some people do spend hours and hours going over it and maybe even rewriting it before they read it. But it's, it's now, it's now settled social science, Wendy Mesley. I will never call you a former <laughs> bingo caller. How's that? Okay, All right. Thank You're, you. Thank you. I've never even played bingo, but who right. knows? Well, that's another thing uh, that, you know, you and I differ on. I happen to love bingo. Yeah, some of my best memories are my my mom uh, taking me to a place in uh, in Senegath, which is uh, the Laurentians, about an hour north of uh, Montreal, and uh, she got one week of the year off. She was a factory worker, and we were, uh, you know, renting a room. We got a great price on a room in Senegal, and once a week we would go to the Castle de Mont, which was made famous in a in a Mordecai Richler book, and uh, we, we were allowed to play bingo for one penny uh, for every two cards. So basically, half a penny, half a penny a card. Anyway, it's it's just an old story. I don't I don't um, see bingo as um, as, as one of those disparaging words, I actually love love bingo in all in all manners and forms. But I want to get to the, the podcast that you and Maureen Holloway are doing, but I'm not going to do that before I ask you to talk a little bit about Maureen Holloway and why she's your 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 partner in crime, as it were. Well, uh, you were briefly on a panel, uh, but before that, it was somebody on a panel, uh, John Moore, who is the morning guy at CJAD and, uh, or at uh, CKFM, but he was at CJAD and I think you were there, uh, a couple of years ago, perhaps. Um, uh, and he introduced us cause I was saying, Hey John, we should, uh, you're, you're funny and smart. We should, we should do dinner. And he says, well, I've got a friend who's actually, I think you'd really get along. And so the six of us, uh, with our partners had uh, dinner and Maureen and I had a couple glasses of wine. And then that was the end of that. That was just like, oh, I love you. You're so funny. You're so smart. And then a year later, she, uh, well, I guess a, a year later, I left CBC and then a year after that she left CHFI and then a year after that we started doing the podcast together and it, we started we were just going to do six or eight you know let's just let's just talk to a bunch of people and have some fun and and try it out and see where it goes and here we are it's been uh it's been more than a year we've got a thousand uh well we've got 50 episodes I think yeah, John Moore is someone I've always uh, respected. He was at uh, CJAD, my old alma mater. He's now at uh, CFRB, also my old alma mater. But of course, now it's called News Talk 1010. He's a very well, uh, well respected, highly rated uh, morning person who will never be called a bingo caller. Uh, so, uh, Wendy, as, as far as Maureen is concerned, Maureen does have a history, not just a, a great history in highly, highly rated radio, but she was a she was a stand up comedian for a while, was she not? Yeah, so that's um, 
It's funny because I never had, everybody's had crushes on like movie stars and singers and all that. I, I never really did. Uh, and part of it was because I very early on became a news junkie and sort of devoted every moment to that. Um, but the only crushes I ever had were on comedians and uh, whether, you know, it was Robin Williams or whoever it was growing up, Saturday Night Live started when I was in high school. And uh, so uh, that was a major attraction for me. Um, but it's also created a little bit of, uh, of a problem because she's a huge pop culture uh, nerd. She knows everything about pop culture. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a moron, basically, when it comes oh, no, to that. No, no, you're not a moron. You're a news nerd yeah exactly that's that's how i would frame it <laughs> so news nerd and, and comedy nerd or a news nerd and, and pop culture nerd uh have great chemistry over over a glass of wine and over a, a hot podcast microphone what's been the most difficult thing about uh, about growing the podcast uh oh there's lots of things but the, the most interesting thing i think is uh, sticking to the 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 maureen theme is i've never really uh i've been part of a team before but i've never had like an actual uh never is a big word but i've mostly never had uh a co-host and so like we have to make decisions together so that's like no wonder you're all by yourself it'd be so much easier <laughs> So does, does that, I don't mean to probe too much here, but um, does that mean that there, uh, there is the odd flame out, maybe the odd uh, argument? Does anyone have to kind of put the fire hose to the two of you to, to get along? Oh, yeah. No, someone actually said to me, I find it really weird because on most uh, podcasts or most uh, radio or media presentations or whatever, the the hosts are always, oh, you're great. No, you're so great. No, you're so great. And, uh, and yeah, exactly. What she said is exactly right. So we don't do that. Well, like we don't, we have, we've had a couple of moments that have been mostly driven by her love of pop culture and my ignorance of it. Um, and my devotion to journalism and her devotion to something else, but, uh, to comedy and performing. Um, but mostly like we, we, we love each other and we work stuff out, but we also, if we disagree about stuff, we talk about it, which is apparently not normal. Right. So, so in TV, when you were at the, uh, at the CBC, did they ever try to partner you with, with anyone? Did you ever, ever try to get you to, to, to co-host a show? I'm just wondering if that was ever proposed and how it might've worked out. Uh, not really. When I was a reporter, which was a big chunk of my life, I was a reporter in Montreal and Quebec City and Ottawa and Toronto. Um, and then I started doing interviews and anchoring the national and, uh, I did marketplace. I did a show called undercurrents for five years, uh, marketplace. I had a co-host, but we kind of did our own thing. Um, so, uh, Erica Johnson was my co-host and she's still there. She's like, she's amazing. We got along really, really well, but no, I never really, I never really had, I never really had a partner. I had teams, but, uh, which, and now I have no team, but, uh, except for Matt Cundell who helps out <laughs> as he helps you too. Matt is, uh, Matt is the greatest human being on earth. We're all totally dependent on, on Matt Cundell. I don't know whether we could get any of these podcasts off the ground with, without him. So we're all very, very grateful to, to the great Matt. Also, I guess, uh, an ex, ex Montrealer. So w Wendy, uh, you, you, you spent time in Montreal as a professional, but are you from Ontario? 
Well, it's kind of complicated. So I was born in Montreal. So uh, like I could go back anytime um, that, you know, it, it officially separates. I can say, well, I was born here. I can come in. Um, but my parents split when I was a baby. Uh, he was gay and she wasn't. And so that obviously didn't work. And um, uh, so I grew up in Toronto. So uh, my mom brought me back to uh, Toronto when I was a baby. And then I guess I went on a school trip or something to Quebec City. And I was like, oh, I have to work here someday. And then I went to Ryerson to study journalism um, when I was older, obviously. And uh, I got there were a bunch of people came in, they used to have like summer jobs where you got paid instead of the intern things that happen now uh, at some places. And one of them, one of them was in Montreal. And they were like, it was for CFCS, CTV's uh, uh, affiliate there. And, uh, and they said, Well, do you speak French? And I said, uh, or un petit peu. Um, <laughs> cause I thought, you know, Pierre Trudeau was prime minister and it's all bilingual, so I can probably get away with this and didn't think it was that French at all, but it turned out it was pretty French. So, uh, <laughs> but I got the job and I moved to CFCF in Montreal. And then ultimately after two or three years, I like, I covered the first referendum, which is kind of ridiculous for a person from Toronto who basically doesn't speak much French. Uh, I didn't cover it very well or, or very deeply. I was on the, on the edges, but, but I remember, I remember just, just speaking English in 1979 and 1980 and 81. And then I moved to Quebec city. And by that point I was speaking some French and within a couple of months, I was really speaking French because there ain't no English in uh, in Quebec City. And and uh, premier, the premier was uh, René Lévesque. So it was uh, it, it was a fascinating time. And I thought, why does nobody else want this job? Why is there no competition? But uh, uh, anyway, that's how I got it. These days, I would not get the job not speaking French. Not that the job exists. Do they still have a sign up on the highway right beside Bienvenue at Quebec? Uh, ain't no English. Is there, is there an ain't no English sign? On the road to, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But it feels that way when you're in Quebec City, that's for sure. Uh, so, Wendy, I wanted to ask you, I actually wanted to ask a, a number of CBC people this question. Maybe I've been a little bit on the, on the shy side, but need to ask. Um, well, it's just, it's just that, you know, I grew up uh, obviously listening to private sector and public sector. And in general, I mean, this is going to um, offend a number of people in the private sector, my, my fellow private sector broadcasters, but I'm going to ask anyway. Is there a rule at CBC where you got to jack up the, the Queen's English, or I guess today we'd have to say the King's English. Do you have to improve your King's English a little bit uh, when you walk through the CBC gate? I don't know, but apparently um, I have amazing elocution. So, you know, they probably never <laughs> pointed it out to me. Uh, no, no. Um, although at uh, Radio Canada, a friend of mine, um, who probably does not want to be identified uh, is a Franco-Ontarian, and uh, the accent was not acceptable. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't. Yeah. So I think it may uh, it may exist in, in uh, at French CBC. I never knew about it, but but yes, I think a thousand years ago, uh, which you and I would remember, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, there were. Uh, you would listen to CBC radio announcers, and they all had a perfect accent. And uh, yeah, so I'm not sure that that's the case anymore. Well, I'll tell you why I was grateful to CBC outside of Barbara Fromm, and I'm, I'm sure 
people are tired of my Barbara Fromm story. My, my, my father, hero worship Barbara Fromm, the, the, the only 90 minutes of the day where I wasn't allowed to say anything to my dad was when Barbara Fromm was on. That's, that's the queen and, and, and uh, I was to be uh, respectful and, and keep my, my beak shut. But uh, outside of the Barbara Fromm thing, I'm convinced that CBC helped my father, uh, and for him English was his second language, helped him speak English. He was just an immigrant like many other immigrants. He didn't speak a, a word of English, and I'm positive that listening to the perfect pronunciation, the perfect elocution of, of CBC announcers, whether they were reading the news or doing anything else, I'm, I'm positive that contributed not just, and I wouldn't mention it if it was just my dad, I have a feeling that millions of Canadians uh, who were new to the country uh, were you know, using CBC as just a very, very reliable utility to learn how to speak English. It's funny because now, well, first of all, I have to say that Barbara from was my idol. Um, my mom raised me on her own. And so that was sort of adult dinner company was, uh, was Barbara and listening to Barbara and, and she's, she's so great. I mean, I'm sure she was human and had her flaws like everybody else. But when I was a kid growing up, she was, that's who I wanted to be. I realized I couldn't be Robin Williams, but maybe I could be Barbara from, <laughs> but, um, uh, but the, uh, the English thing is fascinating. Um, and I think that is how a lot of people learn to speak a new language. Like uh, my daughter is now, she's 24. She was uh, working and then decided that she wanted to stay in Montreal. She went to school in Montreal uh, University and uh, now has decided she wants to stay there. And that's what she does, or at least that's what everybody tells her she should do, is uh, listen to radio, like listen to French radio. And that's how you'll learn the language. And I, and I think that is how uh, people learn and adapt and they learn about a culture and they also learn about I don't know if in the halls of CBC you ever got to meet Rex Loring but uh, Rex I thought of Rex as, as sort of my dad's English professor he'd listen to Rex Loring every morning uh, doing the the world at eight and I bumped into his daughter Elaine many years later and I remember thanking Elaine for uh, her her father she could pass on a good word to her her father for teaching my dad teaching my dad how to speak English. And then there was uh, another fellow who had uh, perfect uh, Rex Loring like execution. I think his name was Russ St. Germain. And Russ Germain. Oh yeah. No, I remember him. I don't remember uh, Rex Loring, but I remember meeting his daughter and knew that it was like, I was in the halls of, uh, halls of greatness. And there was a, and there was a woman who also had perfect elocution who would read the, uh, the news during the supper hour for a number of years. And her name was Barb Smith. Don't know if that name rings a bell. Yeah. Well, I kind of got lost when I was in Montreal and Quebec City for a while. So I, I don't know whether that was before or after, but... Uh, no, that, 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 that's fine. I, anyway, I, I want to move on from the, uh, uh, the CBC to ask this question. Is there life, Wendy Mesley? Is there life after CBC? Huh. Uh, well, leaving was, uh, was, was difficult. I was called all kinds of things, which I don't think I am. And, uh, my employer of 40 years did not stand up for me. So, uh, leaving CBC earlier than I planned was not, uh, it was really difficult, but there is, there is life. There is life after CBC and it's, and it's wonderful to do a podcast now with Maureen, women of ill repute, um, plug, 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 um, where I don't, I don't have an overlord, so I don't have a boss. Like I, like everybody always asks, uh, one of the favorite questions I'm sure you get asked is, so are you told what to say? 
uh, is it all, you know, is it not, not the bingo calling thing, but are you, are you, are you told to support the prime minister of the day or, or whatever? Um, but that's always one of, one of the questions. And, uh, and so, uh, no. <laughs> you mean you're not, you're not told what to say? <laughs> I'm a bingo. I just uh, regurgitate everything. Yes, I just. Uh, that's- I get. Listen, it, it's not just a CBC thing. I, I when when I was seen as, you know, a voice of conservatism, I'd always be asked. You know, so does uh, does does do you clear your stuff with Stephen Harper, or Brian Mulroney? I mean, and I always thought those questions were ridiculous. And of course, in in, in recent years, where. I've uh, had my issues with the conservatives. You know, people say, well, uh, are, are you clearing your stuff with, with Justin Trudeau? Are you trying to make sure that, you know, and I, I guess there's just kind of a, uh, the easiest way um, to make a point without any evidence at all, just have people kind of believe it because, you know, they, 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 they kind of lean that way, many people do, is to say that uh, the media takes its orders from the government or from a political party and the, the media is just saying those things because they're, you know, sucking up to the people who, who pay them. Uh, I, I don't think that anybody's ever produced evidence. I mean, I used to very, I guess, boldly or even some would say arrogantly say, if you can prove that I'm taking any money uh, for, from the government for what I say, you know, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. I'll give you your favorite charity, a hundred thousand dollars. And some people thought that was a bit on the, on the arrogant side, especially coming from a person who sees himself as a, as a common person. So I, I shrunk the reward. I shrunk it down to, you know, $5,000. And of course that, that still stands. If anyone can, can prove that uh, what I say is, is being cleared by a, a prime minister or someone working for a prime minister then the, you know, fill your boots. Uh, I'd be happy to turn over 5K to you or your your favorite uh, favorite charity if you can prove that. Uh, I don't tend to get offended by stuff like that, Wendy, because because it is just ignorant, and it's usually someone who's just following someone who's following someone that they tend to respect. And and when someone that they, they tend to respect says something like that, they just kind of take their their word for it. But do you get, I mean, personally or professionally offended when someone accuses you of repeating, regurgitating what some politician? wants you to say well now um i mean cbc used to get attacked a lot and i i i mean you and i we can have another argument if you want about objectivity because i actually believe in objectivity and the the whole place where you know news is now i would hardly be the first to talk about polarization and how people are sort of made to see each other as enemies which i uh and i think objectivity um is important and actually is 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 a tool to 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 fend that off um but the whole idea of yeah i i sort of have opinions that i'm like even talking about my dad being gay like i never talked about that until i had a podcast i I also my my mom died and it was kind of her secret um so i didn't want to tell it before then but but uh um but i i i do i do feel that uh that these days we uh yeah there is there is very much a dividing line uh put between but between people that doesn't need to be there. Well, you know, it's interesting. Many years ago when I did consider the, you know, the so-called gay issue, homosexuality, uh, controversial, it was difficult for me to call it or think of it as controversial because I, I grew up in Montreal where it was just so mainstream, especially for those of us who, who grew up in theater. Uh, however, I, I did understand once I moved to Toronto, the good, that the gay issue was a, a much more controversial thing. And it's still controversial as far as some, some folks are concerned. But one of the, things I used to say, you know, in the days when I used to have that, you know, as a, as an opinion person to advocate for, for equal marriage or what some people call same sex marriage. 
um, and, and the business of, of, of gay people being openly gay. You know, I used to say there, there are many families where people are living in the closet, they're living a lie, and it hurts people. In, in the case of gay men in the closet, it hurts their wife, it hurts their son, it hurts their daughter. And here comes a Wendy Mesley. I had no idea that you had the background that you, you, you've talked about here on this, this podcast, but I was basically talking about you. I don't mean to speak for you, but I'm wondering now that we've, uh, we, we, we've come to this uh, particular bridge that, that I, I wish to cross with you, Wendy Mesley, uh, was I saying the right thing or the wrong thing in saying that closeted gay men are not doing their kids any favors? I think it's for every person to decide. So I'm I'm sure there are people who would who would disagree with you. But it was interesting. I read up about you because, you know, I was going to be on this podcast and I'd read about you before and wanted you on the um uh the the panel on CBC years ago because I think you're a smart person and you're a well-known person. Um but I asked Matt about the like uh, I I read about how, you know, you're you're raised by a, a family that was persecuted during the Holocaust um, and that equality has been a huge deal for you. But I had always sort of seen you as a very strong conservative voice. Um, and then it seemed to change. And I asked Matt and he said, I don't know. Um, so what happened? Did you did you have a, a change of heart? Because right now you don't you don't feel like a like a super capital C conservative. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but you know, in terms of what, what the rhetoric you hear from conservatives today, I'm definitely not a not good fed. I had a flame out with, with Jason Kenney, and some of it was around uh, the, the issue that uh, Jason Kenney was, I felt, having a, a ridiculously hard time dealing with. One was simply to apologize for, for stuff that he had done when he was very, very much an anti-gay social conservative activist in, in San Francisco, where he was a part of a movement um, to try to prevent, and they actually succeeded for a while, preventing um, gay men in, in hospices, dying in hospices, from getting to see uh, their partners, their lovers. Uh, it was to a point where their their partners and lovers weren't even allowed uh, to, to attend their funerals. I just thought that was just so slimy, so ridiculous, so beneath the pale. And I thought that uh, it might be an idea for Jason Kenney uh, to, to apologize for something in his in his past. And and he said uh, he, he didn't want to, and we got into a bit of a, a bit of a public row. And so Carol Off, and as it happens, asked me uh, on the show, and they asked me where this deep feeling about equality uh, comes from, and um, and why did I have a particular feeling uh, for 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 the LGBT community? And I said it probably comes from uh, being the, the the child of Holocaust survivors. And you know, reading about it when I was very, very young, and it's clear to me that you know, my grandparents and uh, LGBT people, you know, ended up in the same chimney. So it's it's, it's hard it's hard not to feel uh, for for that community. And I'm, I'm I can't be positive because you know there's there's no uh, there's no there's no teleprompter in my brain uh, telling me what to say and, and what to read. But uh, my conscience tells me that that's impacted on me on on the issue of equality, not just equality, you know, people who were involved in the, in the Holocaust, but just equality everywhere. And I just uh, feel that uh, people, whether they're far right or far left, oftentimes uh, play the uh, uh, the race card or the the gender card or the sex card, 
And so whether it's uh, men and women, LGBT and, and everybody else, uh, equality is a, is a very big thing with me. And when equal marriage became controversial, I couldn't understand why it was controversial because I, I couldn't understand why it was the government's business, whether a, a, a woman married a woman or a woman married a man. I, you know, uh, my thought was that this is about love and why would the government get in the way of love? And, and what about uh, the uh, 1960s and 70s when we were uh, told by Pierre Trudeau and most people, at least most people in my life, I stood up and applauded when he said that the government has no no business in the nation's bedrooms. So uh, that's probably a longer answer than you were looking for, but I think that gives you a sense of where I'm coming from on equality. Well, I think equality is important. And and now it seems like, I, I don't know, the, I, this comes back to the where are we now kind of in news, in journalism uh, question, but... But I think now we are kind of pitted together, uh, pitted against each other. And um, everyone is, you know, <laughs> we had someone screaming at the prime minister that he was a pedophile um, or that, you know, gay stuff. Like, why? Why? Why is all of this? It just never seems to go away. We always need something to wedge, I suppose, people against each other. But uh, but it just seems it's completely out of whack. Well, all the, the pedophile stuff and the gays, you know, all, all of that is, is coming from, uh, you know, sources that want to feed anger, uh, especially, I have to say it, uh, you know, angry men. And uh, that's, that's what angry men want to be angry about right now. I mean, you just you say, say transgender to an angry man and just, just sets his hair on fire. I also, I live near Belleville, which is where the, the prime minister was recently, where he was called a pedophile by some angry person. And we went, we went to see Oppenheimer, the movie, and uh, we went for a bite of uh, seafood before. And right across the street, across the street, there was a Tammy's wig and mastectomy shop. Next to that, there was a uh, Pathfinders for Independence, which is people who need help because they've got brain injuries. Next to that was the Salvation Army. Next to that was like people in Belleville, they're suffering. Everybody is suffering. So I'm not saying that excuses somebody in Belleville then saying you're a pedophile. But uh, but boy, we got a lot of issues. Isn't this a happy note? Don't you don't you find this is really a happy discussion? <laughs> well, okay, so so let me ask you this. I uh, mean, just uh, hypothetically, you put uh, two news people, or let's call them former news people, um, into a, into a conversation and say, guys, go for 30, 45 minutes. They go for an hour if, if you like. Uh, are you are you are you are you someone who would think that that could never end up going into any landmines or into any discussions that, that maybe even border on on the depressing side because isn't I mean they don't don't news people always end up going to some bad news? Well, yeah, I mean, if the, I've, I used to always argue that if the plane landed well, it was not a story. So of course, where you know the plane blows up, we're going to talk about it. So there is no such thing as happy news. But I think I think people do like that. It was. Uh, was funny this morning we were talking about seeking controversy this morning uh, Maureen and I did an interview that's gonna run down the road uh, with Sheila McCarthy who was in women talking and I was like where was all the tension like what about all the love for the men what about uh, what about the women who thought they should leave and the women who thought they should go after they were drugged and raped and all of these horrible things happened in the movie or not in the movie but uh, uh, in real life that the movie was about and Maureen was like oh yeah and then they could call it women fighting um, I but, uh, but I would probably as a journalist find that more interesting <laughs> now 
I need to ask on women of ill repute. And that's the, the podcast that Wendy Mesley hosts along with Maureen Holloway. Plug, plug, plug. Women of ill repute. Uh, and this is the Charles Adler Show podcast. Plug, 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 plug. So, Wendy, uh, have you and Maureen ever ended up fighting on the podcast to the point where you later asked Matt Cundell, Matt, uh, please uh, do us a favor. You may think this is entertaining as hell, but it's not something we want. Please, please uh, edit it out. Is Has that ever happened? No, that's never happened. Uh, she sometimes says I'm full of shit and, and uh, vice versa. Uh, and very politely, of course. Um, uh, uh, and we've had a couple of fights, but they haven't been recorded and Matt's been uh, been left out of the picture. And the, and the fights are usually about you know, I see the world as a journalist, and uh, which is different than the way that a comedian or a morning host sees the world. Um, and so it's just learning to understand each other. So it's, uh, but there's, we, we love each other. So it's, uh, we, we always work it out, uh, not on the air. <laughs> right. Well, you do believe in objective truth. And I, uh, you know, I, I applaud you for that. Uh, and I don't mean to ask you to speak for Maureen, but does Maureen, former stand-up comedian and controversial host of many highly rated radio shows. Does Maureen believe in objective truth? You'd have to ask her, but I think she'd think a joke is more important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I probably think an opinion is more important. I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that there's something called objective reality, and we talk about it in terms of mathematics and science, but I do think the average person, no matter how hard they're trying to be fair, and equitable and honorable and dignified and all those things. I just think the average person is still looking at most things through some sort of subjective lens based on their own set of experiences. Would you at least compromise with me on that one? I would, you know, I, I read the Globe and Mail and I go to the opinion section first. So yes, I find that much more interesting. They happen to be people that I admire and mostly um, and agree with. So that's, but on the other hand, I would say that that's where we're getting all of our news these days is of people who have opinions. Oh, I like this person, so I'll follow that person. And then we're led down that path. And I'm not talking about the Global Mail. I'm talking about other other people. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm just, uh, it, it, it's lovely. It's lovely to see your face and to have more than, I think, on on our, our panel on uh, when I was back at CBC, I think you were on for like three minutes. So it's nice to talk yeah, to you for yeah, maybe, more. I may, may have had three minutes of FaceTime, maybe, maybe two, somewhere, somewhere between two and three. So uh, when we talk about opinions, uh, you used to be on Twitter, at least I used to notice you on Twitter. Have you disappeared or have you just kind of uh, toned it down? But how much Twitter or X do you, does Wendy Mesley do right now? Isn't it called Elon now? Well, some people think of it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm still on Twitter. And uh, I still post stuff, but it's mostly about the podcast. I've, ne I've never really been very personal or very opinionated. And this is uh, a, a disagreement, a, a pleasant disagreement that I have with Maureen because she has a personal account and she puts out whatever she feels like putting out. And I'm just like, I don't know. I've never let the people into my house to like take pictures of uh, my great design sense when really they just want to say, this is Wendy's house. Um, so I've never, I've never done that. And she's like, like get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's uh, probably a truth somewhere in the middle there. Well, I think, you know, when you talk about me being interesting and all that, I think that you got interested in my stuff on Twitter. Am I am I wrong about that? No, it's on Twitter. Yeah, but you you express opinions and I don't. So maybe maybe I should. Well, listen, you, you live whichever life you want to live. Uh, we admire you a hell of a lot. And uh, most of us got to know you watching you on, on CBC with that 
perfect elocution, which I always envy. <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for this, and I hope we can do this again. Why, thank you, Charles. Catch Charles Adler Mondays on Real Talk with Ryan Jesperson, twice a week in the Winnipeg Free Press, and every day at criermedia.co.